Guys From Podcast, just two guys answering the internet's questions. I'm Sean Cordingly. And I'm Jeremy Berkeley. Today's question comes to us from Andy, and it is, what do you guys think about the proliferation of microtransactions in video games? And this is entirely prescient because of the news that happened last week with that there Shadow of War yes. microtransaction news. Yep. And uh, I don't know how I'm feeling. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Microtransactions spawned basically from mobile games. Yep. That's the start of the whole thing. Free to play. Um, yeah, free to play mobile games. Yep. Um, and basically, the whole philosophy with that is let people ramp up and give them lots of progression and then have them hit a wall where they can either grind or pay money. And because you're addicted to progression, most people will pay at least some money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's it's actually quite a smart business model. It is if you have the right balance between. Yeah, it is a balance because if if you're if you don't give enough for the money, then people don't buy. No. Plain and simple. And stop playing. Yeah. And then what? And also, if you give too much, the people who pay will get way too far ahead of the people who are grinding, and then it's pay to win, and people don't like that either. There are a lot of pay-to-win games out there. Yep. Well, that's because you can still make money off of pay-to-win. Yeah. A lot. Yep. Apparently. Yep. Based on those commercials I see all the time for Clash of Clans slash Duel of Ages. Yeah. Slash... King's Raid? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so... So I, I feel like the best way for us to tackle this is to let's separate out the single-player side of it mm-hmm. first. Yeah. And then let's get into where it can work with multiplayer and stuff. Yeah. How do you feel about microtransactions in single-player experiences, like the Shadow of War stuff? Yeah, well, I'm going to start positive. Okay. The things that I think are positive. Um, Sometimes you're playing a game, and you know this game is going to take 100 hours of your time. Yes. And you don't have 100 hours. You really like the game, but you don't have 100 hours. It's true. That happens. You can pay a little bit of money, maybe jack up your character's strength a little bit, and therefore you eliminate the grind that you might have to do otherwise. Yeah, and you're, you're thinking like a Dragon Quest Eight style, where yeah. it's like, okay, I have to go fight slimes for the next six hours to be yeah. able to progress to the next area. Or I can pay 20 bucks and be good for the like next seven, 70 hours of this game. Right. Um, so in that way, I think it's, gr- it's great. To have the option to speed up is good. Sure. Um, and for single player, a lot of times, because it's not competitive, getting stronger just means that the game is easier for you for a while. Which is, yeah. if you're playing a game for the difficulty, like a Dark Souls or a Bloodborne, you don't want. No. Right? Because you're, you're, you're playing it for that feeling of triumph. But it's a choice at that point. It is a choice at that point. Um, I actually don't have a lot of problem with microtransaction in single player. Because of that. It is a choice. I also don't mind if it's cosmetic. Yeah. If they're just like, hey, you're really enjoying this? Uh, do you want do you want a Pittsburgh Penguin logo on one of your things? Yes. Yes, I do want a Penguin logo. Yeah. Give us $2. Hey, are okay. you really tired of your female protagonist being scantily clad? Here's a version of her fully armored. Ooh. <laughs> do you want a trench coat? I yeah, do want, I a, do trench want coat. a trench coat. <laughs> it's 99 cents. Okay, okay. Then. and that those are the kind of microtransactions I don't 
Yeah. I mind those the least, especially in single-player stuff where it's just... Well, it's, e- it's added value either in your aesthetic enjoyment of the game or it's added value in humor. Yeah, exactly. The one problem I have when you were talking about the grind mm-hmm. is if a game puts the grind in to try and force yes. your hand into paying money yeah, to skip um, it. In my personal opinion, a microtransaction system should be a tacked-on thing. You yeah. should make the game so that it plays the way you want it to play, and then if you want to have a system on there where people can buy stuff, go for it. Sure, yeah. Um, but it, it should not be... The game should not be designed to try and make people pay that money. Right? If they're adding 30 hours of fetch quests and grind yeah. to get you to pay, yeah. then I have a problem. Yeah, did you ever... Um, you don't really play the Tales games, do you? Not really. I've been interested, but have no idea where to get in. So, so I'm just like, well, eh? you, you basically can play any game because they're all single they're all just stories. Single stories? They're all single okay. stories. Um, but uh, Tales games are known for their really, they're really grindy. Uh, There's lots of grind in them, kind of like Final Fantasy. Sure. Um, but um, the nice thing that they did with that, this is that they released packs that you could pay money for, and these packs had different costumes and some materials, and uh, I think one of them was like an XP booster, okay. which didn't give you XP, but multiplied the amount of XP you got. So while you were grinding, you got two times, three times the XP for exactly. doing the same thing. Okay. Exactly. Um, which I thought was That's really, clever. was a really good way to do it. Yeah, I don't mind that. Um, but that is, again, that's a system that's tacked on to an already complete game. Um, the grinding's already there. The grinding is already there. Right. Part of the game. Now, the main thing, because this is the Shadow of War that brought all this up, yep. the main thing when we were looking at the list is that you specifically, because I didn't mention what my opinion was yet, right? but you specifically said you don't like how you can buy orcs. I don't like that you can buy orcs because there is a multiplayer component being added to it, which is why there's a, a crossover here. Where you are establishing, like, I think it's like an outpost system, mm-hmm. kind of like a peace walker or that sort of thing. Yeah. Where people can combat your base or something. I'm, okay. I'm still kind of loose on the details. There's, yeah, there's not perfect details out on the game yet. No. Yeah. But if you can, so let's say we're both playing Shadow of War, yeah. we both buy a loot box, mm-hmm. you get an ultra rare orc, and I get two commons. Yeah. You stick your ultra rare orc to protect your base. Is that not then a essentially a pay to win the multiplayer side of this game? Yeah, and that makes me feel awkward. Again, when they were talking about it, and a lot of what we were seeing about the Shadow of War was yeah. the same as what we were talking about, where it's cosmetic stuff or XP boosters to help reduce grind or whatever. You can get a loot box for extra equipment. Yeah, that's all fine. Yeah, but getting orcs into your army I have a problem with yeah see for me the the problem is less with the ability to get these orcs right and pay money because I'll be honest if I play that game I'm probably not paying attention to the multiplayer if I can stick an orc in my castle and not have to worry about people attacking it that's great for me but then again I'm not paying to win I'm paying to ignore uh (laughs) That's very true. Which is different, but that's just a different in style. Difference in style. Yeah. Um, what I have a bigger problem with is that they can stick 
extra narrative elements in because you can use these orcs in single player. Yeah. You can put them in your army. They have personalities. They have histories. So if you can buy these, that breaks the immersion for me Right. on it because these are supposed to uh, crop up organically through play. And that was the whole point of what made the Nemesis system fun yeah, was it, the fact that, it, it oh, seemed, man, there's a guy there. It seems to me like that's just making something less cool for a lot of people because there will be people that buy this. And obviously it's a choice. Oh, yeah, sure. Right? Going back to what before, but... It's. I think it's just one step too far in the immersion. Like buying a loot box, you can be like, "Yeah, my guy found this while he was camping or oh, I in a, transit." Like, here's a really cool care package from my mom. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I have now have a Rivendell crest. Yeah. On my cape. Oh, that that's I cool. Got sponsored. I love yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Like th- that's all stuff that you can sort of have make sense in the game world. Um, especially with a game like Shadow of War because it is about immersing you in the culture. It's one of their big selling points for the game. That was what made the first one so good. Yeah, like you're a part of this world um, and it reacts to you. Individuals yeah. react to you. And um, occasionally you're invaded by someone else. It's yeah. like, oh man, Jeremy died from this guy. All of a sudden this guy came rampaging into my game and he's super strong. Yeah, And it says... Gravin? Garvin? What's Gravrin? your... Gravrin? Gravrin. 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 Yeah. Okay. Gravrin's nemesis. Yeah. It's like, oh man. Cool. Okay. Yeah. I will see if I can help because then we both get stuff. Yeah. That's neat. Yeah, that's cool. Whereas if it's like, I just bought this really cool dude. He's my favorite. We hang out now. You yeah. might never see him. Never. Probably not. So that's my problem with that more. But as, as far as like taking a broad look at it, in single player at least, before we dive into the multiplayer. Right. I don't have a huge problem with it. My problem is when it breaks immersion or when it just breaks the game. Yeah. It, again, like I was saying, if you are making a game specifically with that in mind, where yeah. you're inserting grind yeah. to do it, yeah, I have a problem with that. Yeah. I mean, I think a game like that, if you do that, people won't buy the next game. No. They won't because that will really upset a lot of people. Well, I just, I can't remember how long I spent, because I did beat Shadow of Mordor, yeah. and I can't remember how long that took, 60, 70 hours or something. I did almost everything. Yeah. And the idea, that felt enough. I didn't feel like I was missing anything. Yeah. More would have been repetitive. But if yeah. you tacked, I'm, I'm playing out a worst case scenario. Yeah. If they tacked 20 hours of fetch quests on top of that, yeah. I probably wouldn't finish the game. Well, I think, I think the the big thing I've noticed in the difference between Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War is Shadow of Mordor was a single-player action RPG. Yep. Um, and it had it was open world, but it did have a narrative line to follow through. Yeah. And the side quests were all built around that. Yep. Whereas uh, Shadow of War seems more like a procedurally generated type thing where they're like, here's a sandbox and you have an end goal, but really there's any number of ways you could get to that end goal, which is cool, but it is a very different type of game. Yeah. I think there's some people who are going to buy it and expecting expecting a Shadow of Mordor type game, and they're going to get a Brutal Legend type scenario where it's a good game still. Oh, yeah. But it's not what people quite expected. No. Yeah. Man, I love that game. (laughs) (laughs) 
I know I brought it up specifically for you. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> uh, so we want to talk about multiplayer then? I think so. Okay. Well, I guess from my my main experience with a multiplayer game that has microtransactions is League of Legends. I don't okay. play anymore, but I played when it was in beta and sure. for several years after. So how is it done right? We'll start positive again. Okay. Uh, again, cosmetics. Cosmetics. I like great skins. Yeah, skins are awesome. Um, again, speeding up the grind. Yeah, XP um, boosts. Because in League of Legends, there's levels, and there's a lot of stuff you don't even get to do until your max level. Yeah. Um, and I'm sorry, people have different different growth curves. Yep. Uh, if you play a game with me, or you play a game with a five year old, who's going to learn faster? Probably me. Probably, yeah. Probably, unless that five year old's a genius. Uh, damn prodigies. Yeah. Uh, so speeding up the grind can be good. Yes, it can be. On the flip side, here's a problem. League of Legends set up their grind in a specific way so that people could learn over time. Right? If you speed up that grind, suddenly you're playing against more skilled players and you lose all your games. Ah, uh, okay. Right? Um... That so starts to sound pay to win. That's a, well, it's not. Not it's, exactly. It's the opposite of pay to win. Actually, you pay to lose because you start playing against better players oh, too soon. I okay, I follow you now. Um, so that is a little bit of a problem with game economy. But I mean, eventually you can catch up. It just means you're going to have it rough for a little while, which can get frustrating. Yep, I, I think it'll just turn people off the game. But uh, basically, in League of Legends, you could pay for cosmetics. Uh, you could pay for a greater flexibility of builds because you could have rune pages that gave you specific stat boosts. Okay, sure. Which you could earn over time. Uh, and it gives you a wider variety in champions you could play because you could buy the champions or grind for them. Okay. It did it quite well. I don't know what the economy like it is now, but it did it quite well. Cool. But again, I think we're on the same page of this where pay to win is the biggest problem because in a multiplayer game... Really what sells the game is the competitive economy. Yeah. And if you cannot be competitive without spending lots of money, that means that this is a privileged game for rich white people or rich whatever people. Or miners. Yeah. XP miners yep. in China who then sell a character to mm -hmm. somebody. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You have this account that I've already ground up to be competitive. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's frustrating. Yeah. Competitive balance. Like I understand I went into like, I got Battlefield One yeah. late. Mm -hmm. Super late. I got it on sale. Because I'm mostly in FPSs for the story. Yeah. And I don't want to pay eighty Canadian dollars for what is usually Six a ten hours. hour Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Just mm, Yeah. Because I'm not a huge multiplayer guy. I mean that's that's about the same value as a movie, but Yeah. Yeah. Ish. Ish. Except you can play it yeah. again. <laughs> I could. Yeah. In theory. Yeah. In theory, there's replayability. Yeah. <laughs> Still. Yeah. I'd rather pay 30, 40 bucks for just a single player experience. Oh, yeah. If I can. Yep. But I really liked Battlefield 1, so I wandered into the multiplayer. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, and it's not really pay to win, the microtransaction system does unlock guns. Yeah. And mods for guns and that sort of thing. But I understand that I am 
so far behind everybody who started in November and it's yeah. August. Yeah. Like, I get it. I'm not going to be good enough. Yeah. But would I want to be able to buy some XP boosts to be able to get myself to where I could be competitive? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yep. But at the same time, I don't know how much money that would require. Well, it's, it's like the... The problem you're talking about is something that I think comes up a lot in those mobile games. In that, which case, let's say a mobile game is fairly popular. Um, let's go Clash of Clans, because that seems to be the one that always pops up. Yeah. I haven't played it, but my guess is that after a year, they introduced a new startup bonus that is probably worth $100 or something of in-game currency. And what that does is it just speeds somebody up, not to the point where they're competitive with the top, Right. But the bottom of the player base. Yeah. Right? Um, And as the game goes on longer and longer, they keep on introducing those new things. And then for the top-end players, they introduce higher-end stuff or different game systems to play with that are level-locked. And that way you sort of... You create micro-economies within your game. Yep. Um, And business-wise, it's brilliant. Oh, yeah. But... um, That's why they can afford a commercial every commercial break at every sporting event in this country. Yeah, but uh, as a a player, especially as somebody who wants to just experience the game in all its breadth, having things hide behind level-locked walls or a price paywall or even just knowing that, like, even if I dedicate 24 hours a day a month for a month, I will not be competitive with the top of the player base. Yeah, never. Never, ever. Nope. I will just never catch up. That turns me off. Marvel Puzzle Quest, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm no, I'll never be at the top of that. No, never. never and I ever. played every day for yeah. almost a year. Yep. And I, I did put some money in yeah. to unlock character slots just because yep. I wanted to have characters and things. No, but definitely. at a certain point, the grind of the what is available in single player and not PvP, mm-hmm. you hit a point where it's just like, okay, this is as far as I can get with this. Yep. Fine. Then you go into PvP, and it's just, I, I can't, I, there is no way I can catch them unless I pay hundreds of dollars. Yep. And even if I do that, they will still be able to be past me. Yep. So, why do I keep playing? Well, yeah, well, I think, I think that's what gives those games a lifespan, right? Yeah. And people, people try to extend the lifespan of their game because they've put money into the development and they want to redevelop well, Server thing. space and that sort of stuff. You're yeah. paying for server costs, yeah. so sure. So, it, like, it makes sense why you want to keep it that way, but at the same time, it's, it's like, this is, this is why Diablo is so successful with Seasons. Mm-hmm. Because, okay, you might have a character that's not part of Seasons that can just annihilate everybody. But if you want to be competitive, no matter what time you start the game, you just wait for the next season. Yep. And then you just only play in the season. And it's the same game. Yep. So you're at an equal playing field for everybody. But they don't really... You can't really do that in a in a mobile free-to-play game or most multiplayer games. It's true. Blizzard also has the money. Blizzard also does have the money. Where they can just be like, okay, let's just reset it. And the and the people. Yeah. Money leading to the people who could just set this up and yeah. run it and maintain a game like this for this long. Yeah, well, it's a lot of it depends on the quality of people you have at the company. Yep. And not even the size of the company. It's, it's the quality of the people. Yeah, um, it is. And, and it's also uh, the attitude of the people. Yeah. Because you can bet your butts the people who work at Candy Crush 
are not worried about creating the best gaming environment. They're mostly worried about you, making you play an addictive three match game that you will pay money for. Yeah, because you can only play it five times, then you fail. Yeah, better buy that two dollar boost. Eh? 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 <laughs> that is all that game is for. Yeah, because you can play other match three games. Yes, there are hundreds. Yep. If not thousands available. Marvel Puzzle Quest is quite fine to play. Yeah. It was very fun. I enjoyed my time with it. Yep. But, like I said, there's just that certain point where I can't do it. Yep. Back to Battlefield 1, I stopped multiplayer right away. I had somebody who is super high leveled. Yeah. Who's a friend of mine. Yeah. He's like, if you want to play together, I am a, like a tier 2 level 99 medic. Yeah. So we can hang out, we can play. I'm like, that's awesome, but you live in the UK and play at different times than I do. Yep. I could try and figure it out, Yeah. but every multiplayer match I was in, I was like level 3, level 4, trying to start getting my way up, and I was being one-shot killed by level 100 people. Yep. And it's like, but I can't, I can't get there. Yep. I could buy you a gun. You can't heal me if I'm one-shot all yeah. the time. That's yeah. just it. <laughs> I can't buy my way in. Yeah. A, I don't really want to. Yeah. And B, if I get, it's just, it's a loot box. Yep. So if I don't get what I need, then it's I've random. just spent 10 bucks on something. That, wouldn't it be nice yeah. if you could just pay to be like, I want this one thing? That would, That's what turns me off from like wide character games. Because mm. I'll be like, oh, this is a IP that I really like. Um, right. I hope I can get this character. I see that characters in the game. Right? And it's like, sweet, I can get this character. What do I have to do to get this character? Oh, well, I have to buy these loot boxes. And it's a super rare, which means I have a 1% chance of getting it. That drop is awful. (laughs) Yeah, right? It's like, oh, okay. I'm not playing this game. That's fair. Like, Marvel Heroes Omega has a nice balance to it. Well, you can get a specific hero. You can get any hero you want, for the most part. There's a few that are locked in packs. Mm -hmm. And that I get. But... None of the packs are specifically characters that I think have a wide range of appeal. Yeah. Like Spider-Man, who, despite my distaste for him, is a hugely popular Marvel character. Yep. He's not behind, a, like, an $80 pack. No. You you can grind to get him, or you can pay, I think, like, 20 bucks. Yeah. And you can get him and a few other cosmetic-y things for that. Yeah. Fine. Sounds good. Okay. Yeah. And you get... A loot crate every time you get a character to level 60. Mm-hmm. They drop an, just enough in-game currency to keep that, like, okay, I'm able to get the characters I want at a reasonable pace, yeah. or I can drop 13 bucks to get one. Yeah. Fine. Okay. But if you're wanting a specific costume, mm-hmm. that's random. Yeah. Unless you get a different type of currency, in-game currency, yeah. which you need loot boxes for, which yeah. means you have to level other stuff or you start paying money. Yeah. But I don't mind that system where I mean the here, cosmetics are there. If you have money to spend on the the game like that, go for it. Yeah. I have no problem with that. Cuz you know it it doesn't lock any of the game away. None. It doesn't stop you from being competitive. Not at all. It stops you from being fashionable in game maybe. Yeah. But that's a secondary or tertiary system. Yeah, exactly. Like would I like 90s Gambit. Yeah, I would prefer to have the like the X-Men cartoon Gambit costume mm-hmm. if I was to play Gambit. 
yeah, a weird like purple battle frame with a trench coat. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's yeah. that's the gambit I want. <laughs> but if I don't get him, I could still play gambit all the way to level sixty. Yep, and that's fine. Yeah. Now, I want to get to the root of this question. Now that we've done a pretty good base, I feel like of the whole industry. Sure. Yeah. Is that what do we think about its widespread use? And here's the thing. It's not as widespread as you think. It's not. Yeah. Is it getting into AAA games? Yes. And it will continue getting in AAA games for a really long time. And you should actually be happy about that because that is what's keeping the overall price of the initial purchase down. And might drop the initial price of purchase as we move into the digital future where there's less markup for physical copies. Yep. People are going to start playing with prices. The Hellblade came out. Yeah. A couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. And it's 40 bucks. Yep. Witness, $40. I realize Witness is more of an indie game than, than yeah. Hellblade. But still, like, people are going to start playing with it because this it's will gonna, allow them to gonna get money. It's going to lower the entry cost. Yeah. Um, for a lot of games, long run. So if you like a game, as long as you're willing to be like, again, I'll bring back Marvel Heroes Omega. Yeah. I have put in a lot of time in it. I'm yeah. working towards the Platinum just because I enjoyed enough. I'd like, I'd like the Platinum trophy for this. Yep. Yeah. I've put in 25 bucks. I feel happy having supported them because I put that in. They gave me a VIP account. Well, that's the thing also is you, people don't mind supporting games that are good. Exactly. I'm enjoying myself. Why not throw them a few bucks? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, AAA titles, it's not going anywhere. And that's the upside to it. Now, yeah. again, there are all those issues with it, but it's not going anywhere for there. No. N- not at all. And and part of that is that people keep on demanding better graphics and longer stories and bigger games. Yeah, and that takes more production time. And more and production more time means more money. And more money means maybe get used to paying $5 for that costume you want just to help cover the cost. The cost to make that costume? Yeah. Yeah. Also, we did microtransactions to ourselves. The entire community did this to ourselves. Oh, yeah. Do you know why? Because of trading games. Because developers didn't get money. Yep. And so they had to figure out a way to get the money. And piracy. Yeah, and let's, piracy. Let's not drop off piracy, because yeah. I think piracy may be even worse than trading yeah. games. So if you have a problem with all the microtransactions, you should have a problem with trading games and piracy. Yeah. Is Because that's what that's what gave birth to this system. And mobile. And mobile. Let's let's and give mobile. mobile the credit they're due for. Well, yeah, but I feel like a few of those it would whales. be it would be less prolific if those other two things didn't exist. Yeah, uh, this is it's basically a way for a publisher to make sure that they make money off of something. Yeah, and for a longer term, which yeah. allows them to develop and maybe take more chances. Yeah, I mean the other development that lets them do that is crowdfunding. Yep. But a lot of people, if. If Activision came on and was like, hey, we'd like to crowdfund the next Call of Duty, people would be like, shut the fuck up, Activision. Yeah, like, yeah. go away. Go away. We're not giving you money. Um, now, EA is not going to Kickstarter. Yeah. They can't. No, they can't. But Tim Schafer can. Yes. Partly because of his pedigree, but yeah. that's another question. Which, if you want to ask it. We can talk about that. At Guys from Podcast, <laughs> at John Court, yeah. at Mighty Thieves. At Mighty Thieves. Yeah, so, uh, but it, it's not as... as widespread as you think and we're actually in a golden age of the indie game yeah i feel like some of it might just be because there is so much hate for the games that do it so wrong yeah and there have been games ruined by microtransactions oh, absolutely and there are those passionate fans who have seen it 
one game ruined by microtransactions, and they don't want to see their game ruined by it. Yeah, I like honestly, do games need microtransactions? No, no, they don't. No, are they necessarily a bad thing? No, no. they're not. Can they be very catastrophically bad? Oh yes, yeah. they can. Oh boy. Um, but that's honestly that's the same as Mass Effect Two putting in a multiplayer thing that affected the main storyline. Catastrophic. Yeah. Really bad choice. Very bad choice. But that's a risk you do when any game that is single player tries to do multiplayer. Yep. Or a game that is based off of multiplayer trying to do a single player. Yeah. Do, do fighting games have great stories? No. Rarely. <laughs> Not really. I liked the Injustice story. Yeah. That was like it spawned a comic that's yep. actually pretty good. Great. But am I remembering Street Fighter Super Ultra Edition Alpha 2's story? No. 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 It's, it's the same. When when somebody does another mode like that, they're taking attention away from something else. Yep. So if they're on a crunch production time-wise, or they have a group of people who doesn't really know how to do multiplayer, or they don't do enough research on multiplayer economies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ugh. But that's the, that's the same thing. A microtransaction system is just another mode. Yep, it is. It's basically what it is that you're adding on, and it can be done, and it can be done well, it can be done poorly. Yep. Um... But if you, if you don't want to play games that have microtransactions, go indie. Yeah. Go indie, and there are amazing indie games out there. Yep, tons. You want to play Especially a, on PC. Yeah. If you're looking for something fun. Yeah, you, you want to play a tactics game that's amazing and, and is beautiful visually? Banner Saga. Play it. There you go. Yep. You want to play a sim game that is weird. Just came out, uh, The Shrouded Isle. You play a cult leader. Who's has to sacrifice their followers to keep their angry god happy, but you also have to balance how happy the your followers are. Yeah. Right? Like if you just like playing games. You can avoid this. You can avoid this, and you can avoid it very easily, and you can support really great games. But don't be scared off just because something says it has microtransactions. Yeah. Look into the system, see what it is. And if you're really worried about it in something like Shadow of War, don't pre order it. Yeah. Wait for the reviews. See what GameSpot, IGN, kind of funny, pick whatever. Yeah. See what they say about I mean, it. We all have games where we cannot wait to play them. Yeah. And we got to get them on day one. Battlefront 2 is coming. Yeah. I, I pre-ordered, I've pre-ordered three games ever. Yeah. Witcher 3, Persona 5, and South Park <laughs> The Fractured But Whole. Oh, okay. And the only reason I pre-ordered South Park Fractured is because I had never played Stick of Truth, and that was what I got for pre-ordering. I'm like, two games for the price of one. Fine. Yep. Fine. Good deal. As I, as I feel about the proliferation, it's not going away. It's nope. not as widespread as you think. And if you don't like it, go indie. But I can, and I can assure you that the Shadow of War people, especially in their PR, are horrified by the fact that this is all that people were talking about for like a week. Yep. Because. Uh, but no press is bad press, right? No, it just means it's a microscope that's on the game. Yep. And if they make a misstep, even if it's a small one. It's going to be treated as something huge. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Maybe not No Man's Sky huge, but... Uh, <laughs> well, that's... Uh, that's another conversation for another day. For another episode. For another episode. And if you want us to talk about indie games, uh, ask totally us a question. That. Yeah. Because I love indie games. Yeah, I just played Saturday Morning RPG. Yeah. So good. Have you I, played I it? I haven't played it. Oh, Jared, I'm going to introduce you to it today, okay. Okay. I think. <laughs> We'll add it to the list. Okay, good. <laughs> anyway, our second question 
is brought to you by Gemlor the Destructor. Praise Gemlor. Praise be Gemlor. Destructor of all. <laughs> Praise be. And we're back. We're back. And we have a second question. What? This question comes from Rob. No last name. (laughs) (laughs) Just Rob. Just Rob. Uh, And that question is, now forgive me if I get the wording wrong on this, Sean, but what do you prefer? Western RPGs or JRPGs? That's essentially what Rob asked. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Let's try and... What about... Are we including like off the beaten path RPGs. Uh, Are we sure. including the weird shit? We can. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see how long we talk about this and we can always go to the weird shit. Yeah, we can. So, Sean, why don't you tell me about your favorite JRPG to start with? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's Final Fantasy 6. Okay. <laughs> Were you thinking it was Persona 5? I was thinking it's probably in the top 3. Oh yeah, it's 2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'm still a six guy though. Yep. And the turn-based RPGs are where I started, mm-hmm. and it's what really kept me in video games through. Okay, so there was a period where it was NES, SNES. Then I went to PC. Then I came to university and just had a computer, but I got emulators. Yeah. Which meant that I played all the Final Fantasy. Yeah, I remember being really bored and you being like, here, play this, and you gave me a Gundam dodgeball game. Yeah. Super <laughs> Battle Dodgeball from yeah. SNES. Yeah. So good. It was lots of fun. I was very bad at it. Also, the Jap- the controls were all in Japanese, so <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, I had no idea either, yeah. but whatever. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> the weird shit. Yeah. But yeah, so JRPGs is really where my heart Lies. Home is where the heart is, and you, your home is in JRPGs? Yeah, but I'd probably have more Western RPGs in my top 20 games. Yeah. Because yeah. there are more of them now. There are more of them now. And there's something just so sweet about that. When they when you nail that action RPG balance... Yeah. Mm. Yep. Mm. Well, also, a JRPG requires a lot more things to go right for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The story has to be right. The music cannot get repetitive. Yeah. The systems have to be complicated enough to be engaging, but not so complicated that you don't want to get into them. Yeah. And not so simple that there's nothing to do in the 90 hours you probably have to sink into this. Yep. It can't be too grindy. Translation's got to be good. Oh, yeah. Localization. If the localization sucks, it's over. Yep. (laughs) So that's where we'll start with you. Yeah. What would you like to start with me? Well, what is it for you? First. Well, I actually think... Like, are you like me where you started JRPG? I think actually, like, I always liked RPGs. Okay. But the one that sticks out in my mind is really sort of selling me as a main... The main thing I play as RPGs. Right. Is uh, Fire Emblem Path of Radiance. Okay. Yeah. So, technically it's a JRPG. Technically, yes. Because it is Intelligent Systems, it is Nintendo. Yep. But... Uh, I stumbled upon it, not by accident, because I was like, oh, uh, RPG, and it's made by Nintendo. Cool. I will try this out. And I really love 
tactics and strategy and fire emblem has both those things sure and path of radiance is a really personal story that touches on a lot of real world issues okay um racism is one of its main themes okay um so i really really liked that yeah it is a different vein of jrpg yes it is it is um so that's that's probably one of my top rpgs all time okay yeah um that's probably in my top probably in my top five games all time. Sure. It's really good. I really, really like it. As far as like Western RPGs, probably the one I was into the most was Diablo 2. Sure. Which I enjoyed, but it's more like the moving pieces that I enjoy. I don't think That's what Diablo is though. I don't think there's a Western RPG whose story that I was like Yes, 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 yes. Any of the Dragon Ages? Uh, I guess Dragon Age. Yeah, I do like Dragon Age a lot, but it, at the same time, I, I know you do. I don't get, That's why I was like, I don't really? get Dragon Age. I get Dragon Age sort of for the story, but it's not. It's not a top five game for me. Fair. Yeah, like I like it. It's not a top five game. Same with Mass Effect, not a top five game. And also, to me, in my head, those are those are action RPGs, not RPGs with action. Yeah, like when when we're talking about RPGs, my mind goes to uh, Baldur's Gate and sure. um, like these really complex systems that built around not games that are God of War with RPG RPG system. Like you have a skill tree yeah. and experience points. Yeah, and, that's, not, that's yeah. not an RPG to me. But uh, it is. But it by is. definition and it by Rob's question, it is. That's an ARPG. Yeah. So yeah, he said Western though, not yeah. ARPG. No, but I feel I got, like I, I could I what you, contextual clues. From. Yeah, <laughs> I think I can base it on. Yeah. yeah, when you're saying that, I'm like somebody says RPG, my head goes Final Fantasy. Yeah, immediately yeah. that is where I go Final yeah. Fantasy, and then I'm like, oh yeah, and then Dragon Quest and Persona and Shimigami Tensei, and so my head's immediately JRPG, 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 turn based, turn based, turn based. Yeah. So, so, I mean, there's some there's some games that stand out to me over the years, uh, Biatin Katos. Was okay. a really obscure GameCube. I have uh, heard RPG, of it, and it was great. I it tried it. I think. It, here's the thing: it was weird, but at the time I had nothing else to play, so I got through the weirdness. Fine. And things started making sense, and I was like, "Oh, this is actually amazing!" And the systems were great. It sure. was a really good uh, JRPG. But I feel like, in terms of what I prefer, I'm kind of like straight down the middle because my favorite type of game is that like tactical. Uh, RPG with lots of different moving things. Sure. Yeah. Right. And I also really like emergent storytelling. So the not the newest X- XCOM, but XCOM, the new Whatever XCOM, was. the one, the Enemy Within. Yeah. Um, I really really like that game. Okay. Um, and it is an RPG, but it sure. is more yeah. a tactics strategy simulator. Um, and I've never, ne- I've never finished a Final Fantasy, Sean. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. I finished. I've played probably five different Final Fantasies. Okay. All from different eras. Sure. Yeah. Trying to find one that I would really like. I think the furthest I got in one was four. That is a good one. Yeah. That is a very good one. Um but yeah, no. There's some that I I'll get to a cert I'll get to the point where the world opens up and I'll be like, Okay, I'm done. Don't wanna do it. Eh, fair enough. JRPGs kinda turn me off a lot because of the grind. There's an expected grind, and I'm not a person that likes the grind. Some of them are worse than others. Yeah. 
you never play Dragon Quest. I won't. <laughs> you will not like Dragon yeah. Quest. Yeah. Because that is a grind fest at certain points. Yeah. Some of the Final Fantasies are worse than others. Some get stupid. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, though, when every game is completely different yeah. to a point. Yeah. It's just like, you, it's you kind of a crapshoot. <laughs> Some of them aren't going to work. Yeah. But the ones that don't work for me, other people love. And yeah. that just makes no Like, people love 10. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. It was weird, and there's Blitzball. Blitzball, man. I mean, I guess. If you like Blitzball <laughs> that much, yeah, but Blitzball. I just, oh, man. Yeah. Why? And I haven't played 15 yet. Yeah. Because I'm lukewarm okay so 13 made me so angry (laughs) let's get rid of all the old stuff okay because i think the heart of the question is what do you prefer the western rpgs which is probably the modern stuff yeah or turn-based jrpgs because again i don't think Fire fire emblem is like this weird sort of floating over here well we'll get rid of valkyria chronicles and disgaea and yeah yeah. Like the tactical oh, or strat I do fight. Chronicles is probably in my top ten, too. It's a really good game. It's a really good game. <sighs> There's a reason we did this second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, let's let's get rid of all the older stuff. Okay. And I'm going to, because I feel like my preference is kind of in the middle here, I'm going to interview you a little bit. Sure. So, in the last ten years. Yep. What's your favorite Western RPG? So, like, ARPG-wise? Western RPG. Just anything from the West that's got RPG I elements in it? I think Horizon Zero Dawn would count. I then, think... Okay. Um, uh, Kingdoms of Amalur would count. Uh, Which is a criminally underrated game. It is a very good that game. That game is fantastic. It is a really good game. And I'm so sad that that studio just died. Yeah. Well, it was mismanagement. Oh, it totally they was. They put out a good game, but they mismanaged. Such and unfortunately, video games are a business. Oh yeah, they are definitely a business. But mm-hmm. man, Kingdoms of Amalur, so it was good. really good, really good. Borderlands isn't, uh, because that's like it's borderline. There's some elements of an RPG. In I would, it. Here's the thing: I would say Borderlands, the first game, yes. Borderlands two and three, no. There's a three. Yes. Well, it's the prequel. Oh, the pre-sequel. Okay. Yeah, the pre-sequel. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm a big Borderlands person, yeah. so... Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'd say the first one counts. Okay. Uh, Last of Us, no. No. Because there is a crafting and such system, but that is a linear, yeah. progressive story. Well, it's it's also... That is a story... That is a narrative game with yes. the dressings of an action game. Yep. Um, basically on top of it. That's fair. Yeah. If those are my restrictions, then it's Horizon Zero Dawn. Okay. And why would you say that that's at the top? Emergent storytelling. Mm-hmm. Some of the best I've come across in a long time. Mm-hmm. I loved the world. I loved the character. I liked the fact that the system never felt like I was trapped in one setup and that it was mostly weapon-based as opposed to making her great. It was through learning how to do stuff that she got better. Yeah. And it always felt like that, and I've never really experienced a game that nailed that Mm -hmm. on top of a great story, a fun world, and just so... And really great voice acting. Really great voice acting. (laughs) Yeah. Such good voice acting. Really good. 
Okay, cool. So that would be my choice. That'd be your choice. Yes. I already know the answer to the next question, but I'll ask it anyways. Last ten okay. years, best JRPG. It's Persona Five. Right. Yeah. And why does it stand above other ones? Uh, the voice acting is yep. spectacular. The story is spectacular. The music is fantastic. The neo jazz punk aesthetic is amazing. The yep. characters are great. The story is great. And I never got tired of playing it. In 120 hours of going through it, I never was like, ugh, I need a break from Persona. It was always, okay, I'm going to watch a movie, and then I should be able to squeeze in a couple hours, get a little bit more of that palace done. Yeah. Okay, here's my question. Sure. That I didn't ask in the Western section. Great. I'm going to ask about Persona. Do you think that the simulation part of Persona is what makes the RPG part of Persona better? Yes. Okay. I think combining the life sim slash time management portion yeah. with a very, very good Shin Megami Tensei game yeah. is what makes Persona the best. Okay. Gotcha. I don't know why I enjoy the idea that it's like, okay, I have to go to Shibuya and I'm going to go study at the cafe because yeah. I have to get my knowledge up, but then I have a date later, so I have to make sure I am on time for that because I don't want to make her mad. And I'm not trying to spoil anything because Jeremy hasn't played Persona yet and he really wants to. After you have, mm. we can do a spoiler cast. Okay. Yeah, we'll do it. We've been I've been asked we'll to talk about Persona 5, we'll do and you're the only one who can do it who talks on the podcast. Yeah. Dave ain't playing it. We'll do it. Watch me get like a bunch of tweets being like, you playing yet? <laughs> so, how, how's, how's Persona 5? You playing yet, bro? Hey, bro. How's that Persona 5? <laughs> okay, now here's have you the picked really... Yet? Have, you, have, you picked, have you picked your waifu yet? <laughs> Jer- look, Jer- look, a waifu <laughs> is a personal choice. And I'm not, I won't discuss that on anywhere but the spoiler cast. (laughs) So tune in. Uh, (laughs) Here's the real tough question. Sure. Between these two pinnacles of these different type of games, for you, which is better? Or are they too different to compare? Um... In terms of what game I think is better overall, I think it's Horizon. Okay. But I think it is too difficult to compare them at their base level because mm. they are so different. See, this is how I sort of feel about the Western versus JRPG is I think they shouldn't be compared. They're two different beasts. Yep. Um, and they're different gameplay styles. Oh, completely. Um, and yeah, there are there are great JRPGs. Yes. Persona 4 was amazing. Sure, yeah. Um, and there are great action RPGs. Horizon Zero Dawn, Kingdoms of, Kingdoms of Amular. I'm sure I'm forgetting one that I loved. Elder Scrolls. We oh, haven't talked that. Elder Scrolls. At I, well, I, that for me, yeah, El, like yeah. Elder Scrolls, Oblivion, six, five, six hundred hours. Skyrim, yeah. easily two or three hundred yeah. hours. Yeah. I love those games. When yeah. the next one comes, I will play it. Well, they're like The Witcher. All those games are, they're the biggest blockbuster games in the West. Witcher three, yeah. probably. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yep. So long. And uh, like I understand why, but that's not why I play the type of game. That's fair. Yeah. But yeah, as in terms of for me, yeah, gameplay wise, start to finish, Horizon is higher than Persona. Persona had a pacing issue in Act Four. Okay, so do you think do you think that there's a higher ceiling for Western RPGs as compared to JRPGs? In terms of what a Western can achieve, yeah, yes, yeah, I think there is because they are not as stuck in what they need to be to be considered a JRPG. A That's JRPG true. is 
turn-based and there's a story and there's mm-hmm. a skill tree system and yep. there's like there's all of this stuff that makes a JRPG a JRPG yeah. whereas western or an ARPG you can do so much with that you know I think you would really like Tales of Symphonia okay it's old and if if there's a Tales game like like it fits the JRPG and I think if there's a Tales game for you to jump in and really like get a good idea of what it is Tales of Symphonia is the one that I would recommend okay because I think you'd really like it. I know that's totally coming in from left field, but I was thinking about slash which the last segment. It's not that left field because yeah. you mentioned tales. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Tales of Symphonia is great. Okay. Um, in terms of that sort of game, like I said, there's there's stuff that peeks out for me on both sides. Yeah. But I'm always pretty firmly entrenched somewhere in the middle. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think you play more of, Western RPGs or JRPGs? Western. Yeah? There's not as many JRPGs. I guess not all of them get released out here. Exactly. That's the problem. I am also not a big Nintendo guy. Yeah. So anything that's on the DS, no. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't have a chance to play it, so... Yeah. Yeah. Crap. Fair. Yeah. Fair. That's why a a lot of the Western RPGs that people really love, I only had a GameCube. Ah, yep. So, Fire so, Emblem and yep. weird stuff. Yep. That's what I grew up yep. on. That's fair. Whereas yep. I was like, Bard's Tale and Final Fantasy and... Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, I don't have any other questions, but is there anything else you want to bring up? Uh, briefly dabbled in the strategy RPG side. Yeah. Yeah. Like Final Fantasy Tactics, Tactics Ogre, Disgaea, That's all like Gladius. Fire Emblem. That's my... It's my main path. Yeah. Yeah. So, are you still playing the Fire Emblems now? Like, are you... Oh, yeah, it's my favorite. It's probably my favorite franchise. It's the only franchise that will force me to buy a uh, console. I was, that was my next question, is yeah. is Jeremy going to be needing a Switch soon? Yep. <laughs> Jeremy will get a Switch soon. Although, I will say this, the most recent remake uh, of Fire Emblem Echoes is the first game I've played where I've, like, put it down and away and not felt the urge to just, like, grind it through like a madman. Wow, okay. Um, And I think that's partly because uh, I like micro-focused stories. I like characters uh, developing in very specific ways. I like conversations and how they ricochet off of each other rather than a macro story where it's which is more of what echoes is uh at least in the first three acts gotcha um they give you a lot of world perspective yeah but not a lot of personal character perspective ah i see uh and i think part of that is because the main character is supposed to have some mystery around them but that doesn't pull me in yeah so then what do you do yeah like um, okay. So I will I will eventually finish it for for certain. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's the first Fire Emblem game where I haven't been like yes. When Fates came out, I played Fates all the way through. Played Conquest all the way through, and then I bought Revelations and played all the way through, all within the course of I think it t- each each one took me about two and a half weeks to get through. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I did not lose anybody. I am really good at Fire Emblem. <laughs> uh, it sounds like it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's because it's my jam. It's it's yeah. what I've played the probably the most of in terms of like consistent style of gameplay. Because I also play XCOM. I also play Final Fantasy Tactics. It's it's my wheelhouse. 
That's fair. Yeah. Did GameCube have Gladius? Uh, I don't know. It was a strategy RPG. Not sure what I just said there. Strategy RPG. RPG. That's the one. Yep. Those were words. Those were sounds. Yep. <laughs> sounds are happening. Yeah. Sweet, sweet sounds. It's um a micro story with a macro overlay mm-hmm. of Roman gladiators. And you are building a gladiator school, and it runs like Final Fantasy Tactics, but you are getting the story of ancient Rome through a single gladiator school. I think I saw it, but I never played it. So good. Yeah. Probably my favorite of that genre. You really? Yeah, it's real good. Maybe I'll look at that. That's a PS2 era. Yeah. But here's the thing, I don't mind older. Well, just finding something, like, I don't know if it is a PC thing, or if it's just PS2. Yeah. In which case, that'd be SOL. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Unless you find a PS2 on eBay. Yeah, I'm sure I could find something. Probably. I actually know a guy, so. There you go. I know a guy. I've got connections. (laughs) So Nintendo, but no Xenoblade. No. Well, because Xenoblade came out on Wii U, and I never got a Wii U. Weren't there Xenoblades before that? Uh, I don't think so. I think the first one was Wii U. Weird. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. We can look it up. We might have to. Yeah. I think the first one is that. But the last Nintendo console, like main home console I got was the Wii. And I didn't play it that much. Well, yeah, because it was a Wii. Yeah, it was a Wii. I didn't play it that much. I ended up getting Xbox, and I was Xbox for a bunch of years. But then I got fed up that all of the sort of really interesting concepts for games seemed to be on PS4. Yeah, yeah. So then I switched to PlayStation. So I'm not a fanboy of anybody. Not really, no. I go where I want. Ah. <laughs> uh, Xenoblade Chronicles. Xenoblade Action RPG on the Wii. Oh, on the Wii, yeah, so I didn't play it on the Wii. Yeah. But by the time that had come out, I had probably abandoned Xboxed my Wii. Xboxed it. Yeah. Yeah. Not fair enough. Yeah. But that also, was more of a question, as yeah. I obviously I'm not yeah. a Nintendo guy, yeah. so I don't. Yeah. Uh, I'm not really a Nintendo guy either, as we've discovered. Except um, you need a Switch to play some Fire, Fire Emblem. Emblem. Yeah, that's what I'll get it for. And Dragon Quest Ten. Nope. Um, Shadows of Grinding. But I really like uh, I really like indie RPGs. Okay. Because usually you get a nice amount of moving pieces, and either an interesting story or a really interesting world. Yeah, and nowhere near the time investment. Yeah, typically, sometimes yeah. you will. Yeah, but and also indie, you get a a really nice blend between micro and macro. Yep. Like if we're if we're talking about probably one of my top ten games of all time, Bastion. Sure. It is has RPG systems in it, but really it's an action hack and slasher. Yeah. Right. But you learn almost nothing specifically about the characters. But emotionally, you learn a lot about them. So that's all micro stuff. But mm-hmm. at the same time, the entire story is macro. So that's a wonderful, weird balance that I love. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Sorry, Rob, I'm an outlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's giving us an excuse to talk about RPGs we like. This is true. Uh, Child of Light from UBART. Yep. So good. good. Yeah, it's good. Written in iambic pentameter. Made me super happy. Yep. Except for that one jester who could never get it. Yeah, which is in itself funny. Amazing. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other indie RPGs that I've enjoyed. 
Saturday Morning RPG. I mentioned it before. Yep. That's real bare bones. Simple. Uh, silly. Path of Exile is Diablo taken to the nth degree. Okay. So in Diablo, you had all those trees that you could choose, but make your own build. In Path of Exile, you have a web. There are, I think, 64 billion possible combinations. Ugh. Yeah. Um, but it's quite good, and it's laid out in a way where it's easy to plan, and they released a planning tool. Oh, fair enough. So there are tools out there to help you with the overwhelming choice. Planning um, tools. Yeah. Ah, uh, RPGs. Yep. But, I mean, I think the best part about indie RPGs is there's always something to scratch whatever itch you have. Yep. And I think people complain all the time about how everything has RPG elements now, but that's because... RPGs, the one thing RPGs got better than any other type of game was progression. Yep. You feel like you are achieving stuff every time you play. And that has a psychological benefit that people love. Yep. And it's also something that in a story is necessary. You get from point A to point B and if nothing changes, it's boring. Well, Mario 3 was fine, but it's Mario 3. Yeah, but here's the, here's the thing. Things did change in Mario 3. They did. You got more skilled because the enemies got more complex. Yep. And you got different items. And you got different items. So there was progression in that. It's just, it was subtle. Yeah. Now, it's (laughs) easy to get progression. You just put in an RPG system. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm a level six Mario. Yeah. Sweet. Sweet. My hat can possess dinosaurs now. (laughs) (laughs) Me and Kevin talked about that. Ah, did, is it on the podcast or outside? It's on the podcast. Okay, I'm just not there yet, or it's not out? <laughs> yeah, you're not there yet. Okay, I'll you're get there. not there yet. Uh, we don't stockpile our episodes. Yeah. <laughs> it sometimes causes us to freak out a little bit, but that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, no, we we talked about that at length. So check out the third space episode. Ooh, I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. But it's something about freak beasts. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's two genres that we should touch on before we go okay. on this surprisingly well-timed podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't talked MMORPG. Oh, you're right. And we haven't done Souls style. That's true. That's true. Both of sort of on the periphery of me. I've only played one MMO sort of to fruition, and that was Star Wars The Old Republic. Okay, sure. Um, I'm a DCUO guy. Gotcha. I did that. I don't mind it. It's fine. It's fine. As long as the microtransactions are good. Yep. Um, I think you really have to find the one that fits you. Yeah. Is the thing. There's a lot of them out there. you got to find the one that fits you. Uh, I'm not a big fan of grind, and I really need story and yeah. character interactions, so that's why SWOTOR worked for me. That's fair. DCUO, I liked the power set. Mm-hmm. I liked the world. I had some friends who were playing, so it was just like, yep, okay. And that's okay, the other big thing. Run you some need, raids. You need friends. Yep. Because playing with strangers can be great. It can be, but it can also be terrible. Yep. Marvel Heroes Omega, kind of an MMO, but not. It's like a Diablo split screen, more like it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I think the big draw for that, at least for the console version, is you can sit on the couch with somebody else and play with them. Yeah, and go through. Yeah. Fairly decent Marvel story. Yeah. Good combat loop. Yep. So. Good gameplay loop. Yeah. Turns out that's important. Yeah, it really is, especially in MMOs. Uh, I've never played Dark Souls or Bloodborne. Okay. So this is all on you. How do you feel about it? I like them. Yeah. I like the concept of when you die, you lose your progression until you go back and get it and then save again. Oh, there's but another I... category we haven't talked about. Roguelike. Oh, oh yeah, roguelikes. Okay. <laughs> but I don't want that to invade other games. 
I don't need that everywhere, but in the few places where it's like, when Bloodborne 2 gets announced, yeah. I will get that, yeah. and I will play it, because Bloodborne was my jam. I yeah. like Dark Souls and that, but I like the slightly faster feel of Bloodborne. Yeah. I think the thing, the thing that does draw me towards trying them is a system where the combat, if I'm skilled at it, I can have less good equipment and still go forward. Yep. So the idea of being skillful is appealing to me because there are some games I have played where I pull off amazing combos and I'm like, that's great. This feels awesome. Yep. So I get the sense of accomplishment. I get that the difficulty is there so that you can have this system that when you master it really makes a big difference. And you feel great. Yeah. Uh, I get that. But at the same time, it's that it's it's a type of grind. Right? It can be. Yeah. I'd suggest Bloodborne over the Souls yeah. because it moves faster. Also, horror, not for me. Yeah, you're not a horror guy. <laughs> not a horror guy. Bloodborne, probably the creepiest of them all. Yeah. Yep. So that that's another barrier for me. <laughs> that's another barrier for me. But I do love roguelikes. There you go. Absolutely do love roguelikes. For those of you that want to go down deep, deep <laughs> in a math hole. Yeah. Yeah. Deep, deep, deep in a math hole. Look up Tales of Majal. <sighs> I never, I never dipped in. I was just like, nope, nope, that's not. Tales too of Majal is an amazing game. Sure, it but, sounds like it. But you have to like math, and you got to figure stuff out. And it is very luck based until you start figuring out what you can and cannot do. And you know that Dark Souls tagline, "You will die." Yeah, yeah. And Tales of Majal, you're gonna get murdered. Over and over and over and over um, until you sort of figure out different things. It, yep. took, it took me probably 30 times to figure out that the reason why I always died in the lightning dungeon was that somebody would crit me and lightning has the biggest damage variance in the game. They would uh, crit me at a high variance and that would kill me. Right. So then I found out, oh, lightning resist is really important. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. So... Um, if you like learning over time and unlocking stuff, because it has a fairly good amount of unlocking different races and classes, and you know what? The lore is actually really interesting. There you go. Sure. Um, Tales of Majel. If you're looking to dip your toe in with a more action-y feel to it, Rogue Legacy. Yep. Yep. Rogue Legacy. Because um, it gives you that roguelike feel. Yep. But it's not the math bomb. And it's very quick. Oh, yeah. Super quick. Very quick. But you're going to play that castle a lot yep because you're gonna have some trouble yep and then all of a sudden it'll give you you'll have a horrible ancestor yep and then they will spawn a crazy terrible terrible <laughs> child that you need to get through the castle enough to get something better yep but it's a good intro to that kind of system it is. before it is you launch into that. something deeper yeah i mean i didn't go all the way to the bottom no i didn't go to adam <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I, I like roguelikes mostly because you can feel the system opening up before you. Yep. And it's a combination of learning, but also discovering. Yeah. That makes a huge difference. And I think it's the only game where you'll be playing and you'll get a drop of a unique loot that you've never seen before. And you'll be like, this is my build now. This is awesome. Um, and all of a sudden you're reconstructing, and there's uh, there is something yeah. very satisfying in that loop as well, where it's just like, oh, definitely. Now I'm building this. Uh, I haven't played Tales of Majal 
probably in about a year and a half. Okay. But I played for four years, and then I finally beat the game. Hey! Yeah, I beat it. I've beaten it only once, but after I beat it, I messaged my other friend that played it. And was like, I beat it, man! I beat it! Yeah! Like, I needed to talk to somebody. I couldn't not talk to somebody. That's entirely fair. Um, because for a game specifically like that, it's such an accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah, so again, um, I'm somewhere in the middle. Yep, that's that's very middle. <laughs> yep. Very, very middle. Da, 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 da. But hopefully Rob appreciated the fact that we just spent half an hour talking about RPGs. Yeah, cause... I mean, I think, I think if he wants us to have a more in-depth conversation, he should ask us about Western RPGs and then JRPGs. Because then we can get really, really into the mechanics of both. Sure. Yeah. Well, I guess that's it. Okay. Uh, you, you, Mr. and Mrs. Internet, are the lifeblood of our podcast, and we want to answer your questions or just have a good old chat. Do you want to talk to us on Twitter? I can be found at Mighty Fuse. Sean is at, at Sean Cord. That's Sean with a U. And we are at Guys from Podcasts. Email us at guysfrompodcast at gmail.com or Facebook us at the Guys From. Yeah. If you enjoy the Guys From Podcast, tell anyone you can, any way you can. And the best thing you can do to give us a hand is to leave a rating and or a review on Apple Podcasts. We're available pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. I'm working on it. There may be some I'm missing. Yeah. Zoom people. Uh. Hey, Jeremy, is there anything you wanted to plug? Yeah, I want to plug Supergiant Games. Uh, sure. We talked about Bastion a little bit today, um, but there's also Transistor and the new game out, Pyre. I yep. haven't played Pyre, but if you like music, and I'm guessing some listeners of your podcast might... I would imagine. Then check out Supergiant Games. Every single game they've put out has been on for Game Album of the Year, and for really good reason. Yeah. Uh, Darren Korb is the uh, composer who does all the stuff. He's amazing. And Ashley Barrett is a voice actress who does almost all the female vocal tracks, and together they have a great synergy. Yeah. Um, so check out their stuff. You can buy the OSTs. Yeah. Uh, they're great. You can buy them with the games on Steam. Uh, and not only that, they create really deep, immersive worlds that provide experiences that, frankly, aren't happening anywhere else in the gaming industry right now. So that's my that's my plug. Transistor, one of the best soundtracks I've ever heard in a game. Yep. Easily. And I think you could get it on vinyl for a while. Yeah, I think you could. So. I think you could. Do it. Do it. What about you, Sean? On our website, www.theguysfrom.com, aside from hosting this gamerly podcast, we also write articles on things like music, that's indie music every day, throwback tracks every Thursday, gaming, movies, you name it, we probably write about it. Head to iHorror.com for all of your horror news, interview, and review needs, and we are gearing up for Halloween, so keep an eye out for contests and that sort of thing, unless you're Jeremy, in which case, probably don't want to hang out with iHorror. Run away! Yeah! <laughs> and a special shout-out to Terra7. Who left us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts? Thank, Thank you. you so much. I don't know if you've asked us a question, but you totally should. Yeah. So we'll answer it. We totally will. We'll agree with you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, special thanks to the Sweets for our opening music. Uh, check them out at wearethesweets.com and also to Kevin McLeod for our ad music, Fireflies and Stardust. And our takeout music called Fearless First. This has been episode 181 of the Guys From Podcast. The most accurately timed when we're saying we're an hour-long podcast podcast we've done in a long time. <laughs> Thanks for listening.
listening. Once again, I'm Sean. And I'm Jeremy. Have a great week, everybody. The Guys From Podcast is brought to you in part by XP Boosts. XP Boosts are what we're doing this podcast for. We are now both level three podcasters. Woo! Level three. Almost got that level four bonus. I can't wait. (laughs) 